Uh, you've already sound checked this, I assume. Am I loud enough? Okay. I feel like that's how we should start the recording. <laughs> it's like, testing, testing. There's no snare in my headphones. Uh, um, Alright, Bob. Radio voice. Well, welcome to Witness. Uh, we're putting together this um, uh, pandemic-style uh, 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 recording of our podcast. Um, it's been a while since we've all been together in the same place, so we thought it'd be a good idea to get together uh, online and chat about some of the issues facing us as uh, theatre makers and critics in uh, this uh, odd circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, uh, with me today are um, Alison Crogan and Carissa Lee, of course, and I don't know whether or not our sound um, expert Ben will be chiming in, but he is with us too. Um, shall we start with a consideration of the weirdness of the time and maybe the relevance of art uh, under lockdown? It's been kind of inspiring to see companies, particularly small companies, sort of really come to the table when it comes to presenting art in this way. It's been nice being able to watch it from home, actually, because there have been times where I've been a little bit anxious to go see things, but I feel like I have to. But it would it would be nice to have this as an option, you know, for those of us who find it a little tricky to leave home sometimes. Mm. I yeah. mean, I, I, there's been this sort of meme doing the rounds that um, art – lockdown means that everybody needs the arts i mean is that true that we we're all depending on it for our mental health or mm. is that just something that artists say it's a very know? broad thing to say really mm. in the context of saying under lockdown everyone needs the arts well sure but music is art tv is art um so yeah. we need things to keep us distracted and keep us um you know uh, sort of level and sane and i guess feeling of connection to narrative and community but the more the more um uh pointed question is um under lockdown do we need your art yeah like whose art is it you know is worthy of an audience in this time or something like that i mean it, even if you look at stuff like netflix and stan and all those streaming services it seems to function as a lovely distraction from the world so you can completely switch off from it whereas there have been some really brave works where you're actually it's almost integrated into the art because we're watching it on a screen instead of seeing it live and I think it's a nice way of making peace with the situation as opposed to looking for weird distractions. It can be I mean I think a lot of the online streaming theatre has been quite disappointing mm. as people scrabble to um, go online I mean, it's something you've talked about a lot about, Rob, is is exactly that, that the, mm. the whole online resource and the whole online audience is something that's been um, largely neglected yeah. and um, consequently when suddenly it became compulsory, people are trying to find a language and a form that suits it. Um, yeah, and we're, we're six six months in now to lockdown since, yeah, pretty much six months. And um, at the beginning, there was that big scramble 
and everybody was was streaming art without kind of um, thinking about things like intellectual property and all those kinds of things that come into play when you put stuff online. So there was like this huge race and now that's kind of calmed down and there have been a whole lot of different possibilities that have happened. But what do, what do you think, I mean, you, you found it really helpful, Carissa, in terms of coming to terms with lockdown. Yeah, I think so. I think also because um, at the beginning of lockdown I had sorry business and I think I was just needing something mm-hmm. and needing a connection there and it felt as though they these sort of shows were really filling that void Mm. and it was yeah it was something that I felt was I don't know kind of healing for lack of a better term yeah yeah like the 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 new wave festival yeah yeah next wave next wave my bad um they the piece that um Isabella did rest that was amazing it was essentially just a radio show but it was this beautifully curated medium that had a friend guiding you it was like someone had made a playlist and they were explaining what the importance was and it was culturally significant too and I feel like even though it probably wouldn't have been all that difficult to facilitate it was something that I found really lovely and healing and just feeling like I was being looked after and yeah. I think yeah just the the care that was taken in the curation of the music and the way and the stories that they told was just absolutely it was much needed mm. and I think as long as there is a, a pure intention there in a way I mean I could just be you know being idealistic here but I, I feel like if there's an intention a clear intention of what you're trying to do with your performance with such a limited medium as this it'll come through whereas if you're just yeah like you say a mad dash and just trying to throw together art for the sake of it and for the the need like it's like oh we've got to put stuff out now because this, this is how we have to do it now it shows I think it shows if it's just an empty reading or an empty I don't know just filling up a space yeah filling up a space yeah, yeah. for the sake of it just an empty theater really and I think yeah. it's it, and it needs to have a reason it needs yeah. to have something that you're wanting the listener or the watcher to to feel yeah. well I, I it's to me that what I hear in that is that um, uh, whether it's live in the theater or, or whether it's here on Zoom or or anywhere, what's really important is consideration of your audience, consideration mm. of what am I saying to these people, how am I reaching out to these people, whether it's via um, whatever media we use. Um, if the intention is to talk to people and to actually reach out to people, uh, make a connection with people. I mean, it's. I get that it's a struggle for some of the older members of the theatre audience who um, struggle with technology and don't have the familiarity with uh, maintaining a community online or anything like that. But um, I still have the instinct that um, an engaging work is an engaging work, Um, and especially that's about reaching out to an audience rather than um, simply wanting to say your thing. There's so much theatre that is just do X, I think it's important that I do Y. I'm like, well, who yeah. cares what I want to think that is X and Y is? Like, what are you actually saying? And I think that um, this transition from uh, um, a, a familiar medium to an unfamiliar medium really highlights that. Yeah, and I think the the mean, like the, the kind of audience that they have now is 
is a special one because sometimes audiences do just want to go see a show and be entertained or they want to go see a show because, you know, they've got the night off and it doesn't necessarily need to have a lot of stuff to think about. But at the moment, we're in a really interesting position, particularly Melbourne people right now, that we are essentially a captive audience, but also we are needing something, whether that's a distraction or whether that's wanting to kind of make peace with the situation or to be more informed or to see a new way of viewing this whole thing or to see what art can be made despite these circumstances because it gives a bit of hope. I think, yeah, this is a very thirsty audience, for lack of a better term. We need we need some actual thing here. We, we don't just need entertainment. I think it's a very diverse audience because we have so many needs right now. We are just in such a strange position and it's it's important to make sure that this art is put forward with that in mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's – because I, I still have that um, – reluctance towards coming towards just live streamed performance stuff that's just sort of put online that's basically a recording of a performance um well yeah i was just going to say there's there was that wonderful thing that olivia musket reviewed called kaka capitalism did you watch that it's hilarious it's just a, a dance in a supermarket and um it is a very very funny dance it's like five, ten minutes, not not much longer, and it's a fight between two people or two women over toilet paper basically in the supermarket. But um, that kind of was a really fantastic piece of online art. It was designed for online art and it was came from the idea of audiovisual, audio description. Um, so it's narrated in both Spanish and English and um which is absolutely part of the whole dance and then filmed and and it's it's really worth uh a few minutes there's a link it i I think it's still up there um but that was one piece of video art that was recorded that really worked and seemed totally of the time to me but it was kind of working with the medium and it's saying something about now and it's also really funny I mean I watched it about three times because I enjoyed it so much um but a lot of stuff is is kind of enclosed by now for me it's kind of there's a lot of competition for our attention at the same time I mean books are selling like crazy and everybody's watching all the streaming services and so I think what you're saying Carissa is that when when we're doing live performance what is it offering to us that isn't given by all these other things? Do you, you know that I keep reading about this thing called Zoom fatigue? Mm. And do you think yeah. a lot of the time watching these shows can actually contribute to that as well? Because, I, I mean, I, it is. I was talking to a friend who does a lot of Zoom meetings and he was saying exactly that, that he cannot you know, if anything's online, he doesn't watch it on the weekends in his spare time because the last thing he wants to do is is sit down and watch another screen. Yeah. In response to that, I suppose I'd say um, that um, uh, before getting to um, even talking about 
um, the uh, performance and um, the, its relationship to community, its relationship to um, uh, criticism, it, it's it's I think it's worth considering this as a space, as a forum, the, this this online thing, whether it's Zoom, whether it's um, any of the other streaming platforms. Um, and the kind those those questions of Zoom fatigue and stuff like that, I think, are interesting and useful to unpack before we even get to um, leapfrogging to talking about performance. Which, to tie it back to where we began that conversation, I think, is one of the reasons why um, uh, some of the online stuff we've seen is a little uh, underwhelming because um, there's no consideration given to this space as a stage rather than just a screen. Uh, yeah leapfrog straight into going oh well let's make a show the way we always make a show and um Alison was saying that um, it's tiring to watch a lot of the um, kind of performances that are uh, pre-recorded and then um, just streamed, um, which is true because that's a different thing to the live experience. Um, the, I noticed that um, the the one of the most engaging things I've watched so far was um, Redline's production of, of uh, Tom Payne. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's not a play I particularly like. Like I saw the the Playbox version of it like 10 years ago or whenever it was, and I wasn't totally enamoured with it, but I was much more engaged by being able to be up close to Toby while he was performing, even though I'm in a completely different state. And there's something yeah. about knowing that it's happening live somewhere else, but I can see it happening, that is quite like this. Um, yeah. You know, everyone's in their rooms doing their thing, that it's actually happening. So, Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do feel kind of like I'd, be quite happy if I never watched another videoed monologue ever again at this so point. videoed, right? Like videoed or live? Well, videoed, mm. yeah. Because that's a different thing too. That's an It is, thing. it is. If for nothing else, there's no sense in the performer that the audience is live watching now. Yes. So every drop line, every pause, whatever, you feel the presence of the audience going, yeah. oh, what are they going to do? As opposed to when you pre-record a thing, well, you can stop and edit it. Yeah. I mean, as I said, there's pre pre-recorded things that work, but they need to be so thought about in terms of performance. And um, they seem to be mainly working in non-traditional theatre forms um, and dance and, you know, the more kind of innovative forms where people are a bit more experimental seem to be places where the more successful kind of interactions online are happening aside from toby schmidt's on <laughs> campaign um, <laughs> but, well, but, I mean, but you know to make a wild generalization is that is that true or is that well i wonder if that has to do with partly the generalization true. that traditional theater has of itself that it that yeah it has to be in the room with you yeah i don't know yeah, the liveness of it does bring a kind of intimacy to it rather than just a pre-recorded thing. Um, uh, or the liveness of the pre uh, of the Zoom, kind of the online performance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so because yeah. I feel much more connected to something happening live now on the screen, which is one of the reasons why we get Zoom fatigue, right, is because yeah. you don't get it watching binge-watching a bunch of TV. You don't get the same kind of exhaustion from engaging with the screen what we have maybe is the kind of tiredness of being so present with people. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think on Zoom you're much, much, well, I am much, much more aware of myself 
with all the other people because you're looking at yourself unless yeah. you turn yourself off. But basically you are and so you're constantly being reminded of um, yourself as something to be looked at as well as just your normal sense of self as someone looking out, I guess, which, you know, in normal social interaction we're not looking at ourselves in any real sense. I mean, literal sense might have certain kinds of self-consciousness but they're kind of metaphorical in that way and um yeah i guess if the reflection of ourselves is on the screen when we're engaging with everybody else in the in the room there's a kind of weird metaphysical doubling there that is a little odd but then watching something live um like a live show online um that doesn't happen because we're not there but what hap- what you do lose is you lose a sense of um, the people around you, so uh, which is a critical feedback loop for theatre, of course. It is, it is, and and that physical presence with all those subliminal things that we don't really notice, mm. we're aware yeah. of when we're in a theatre. But you know where you are in the space, where you are in relation to the performers, where you are in relation to other audience members, all those things you can hear people breathing and yeah. um, you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I have got to the point where I can't quite imagine being in a theatre again. Like, what will that be? Mm. I yeah. don't even know. It, it, like, are they going to yeah. do the, the social distancing thing? They'll now have that they... to, yeah. yeah. And what does, but, he, but just personally me going into a kind of public space to watch a performance, I know I'll be a different person walking in to that space after six months of being nowhere near any that any of that kind of interaction, and I and there's part of me that's just like, what will that be? I don't know. And do you think that'll change the lens of critique? I think the lens of critique is is definitely shifting, but I think well for me it's like pull, pulling things right back, like right. At the beginning of this year, we had the bushfires. We've got the ongoing catastrophe of climate change. But the bushfires were particularly kind of, they felt particularly apocalyptic. And um, then the pandemic. So, I mean, I know people keep going on about 2020 and that's just one of those things, but it's just really clear that a whole lot of systemic problems are now that have been ignored or undermined for years um, are now doing exactly what people said they'd do and, you know, causing global problems, different global crises of different kinds, you know, and this includes things like racism and, you know, all the different um, fracture points where, where things have been under pressure for a long time and now we're watching all of those cracks in all sorts of different ways and they're all long-term. And one of the things that um, I can't help but think of is what's the point of art in the face of all these crises, like just that bald, crude question. And um, so in that sense, I think critique's really important because um, we need to ask that question. Does art have a point? Like we, we are all artists. We all totally believe in the in art as a, as something that matters. But how does it matter? Does it matter? Um, 
what is that pressure? I mean, I think one of the things you said earlier, Krusa, about um, art being a, a something that meant something to you in a moment of grief, and that that's a mattering, you know, that's real. Um, but I think a lot of people are asking those kinds of questions, and even um, as distraction is that has a point. Like we we all need time out as well. I think we shouldn't sort of sneer at that. But yeah, so I, I'm kind of thinking way you know that long thing. Yes, if art matters, then critique matters. Um, but because we have, if art is going to matter, it has to really matter in quite real ways. It has to mean, mean something. It has to mean something to people and to us. I've always felt a bit urgent about that, but I think I just feel that urgency kind of, you know, ramp, ramping up with everything else. It's too easy to just say it's a luxury, it's a waste of time, it's something that people don't need. And it's an important way for the community to speak too, right? Like it's not just yeah. us as uh, uh, high-flying artists that get programmed places or, or, or have platforms. Um, it's, 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 it's as much about people who um, need a way to express themselves and without um, things like the kind of humanities of education or art or, or those sort of things, they're kind of public health care, right? They're a kind of way of, the, of, of humans being able to speak to each other about themselves, about each other. And, and I think uh, one of the problems that we have faced as artists and as arts communities for so long now is that we have been forced into this notion of um, art being a kind of heritage form or being a luxury or um, being something that is only for specific people with specific tastes. Uh, and that's a really dangerous place for um, uh, society to be because when you have voices like ours taken away, when you have the voices that uh, of artists and educators taken away, people still have the need and they find the outlet for that in things like QAnon and, and the conspiracy theory, anti-vaccine, yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it has been, I mean, I know people have made the parallels between QAnon and online gaming and the kind of model of, um, what do you call the, is you mean like where people do research and something like ARG or yeah, yeah, reality games, yeah, yeah. The people have made that um, connection that being a member of QAnon is very like those games. That people it is very like those create, games. Create create realities. They go and do their research. They, but the difference is that the QAnon people don't realize that it's not real. Yeah, exactly. And, and you sort of go, okay, maybe one of the really important things that art can do for us is, is I mean, I've, I've seen this argued before as well, but that um, it helps us tell the difference between what is real and what is imagined and what is speculative. And you can, you know, because we, we all play with those things. And the people who can't tell, you know, discriminate between these different states of being in any like crucial way really terrify me mm. <laughs> they really frighten me and it's most people more and more want to be heard too right who have who who want to or have a sense that they've been heard 
And what QAnon yes. is is a narrative that they can buy into and, and play yeah. with. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, it seems to come from fear. Yeah, that like they've got this this unknown thing happening. So if they create their own reality, they've got something to hang on to. But if art can also show that they're not the only ones that are scared, there are better ways to deal with that fear. I mean, fear is often what leads to stuff like racism and and you know homophobia. And it's just like you could just do better than be a hateful shit. You could actually do something productive and learn about what it is you're scared of. And they model the behaviour they're shown. So one of the things that art does is it models behaviour that is constructive in that way yeah. as opposed to leaving it to whack job in his mm. um, uh, basement somewhere with with an internet connection. Yeah. Yeah. It gets very messy though, doesn't it? It's like how, I, yeah. yeah, sorry, you were going to say. I was just going to say it just makes me sad that, people who have an internet connection and have access to these things do abuse it in such a way because there are people in remote communities who don't have access to internet and do need things like art and do need things to distract them or to inform them or to give them a sense of hope because their fear is being represented and answered and made sense of somewhere and these people just choose to completely disregard it when they have access and try and create something ugly and untrue to freak the world out with it's just unfair well it's it's i suppose what we have to distinguish is between those people who buy into QAnon and other conspiracy theories and those who actually create them for their you know and exploit that human weakness for their own um ends and there's because there's a lot of money behind these things as well yeah and um so, you know, there there is the point that a lot of this is being manipulated and, um, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, if you're going to ask if art matters, it's going to lead to dark places, right? Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. But I do think that art can be uh, a totally a counter voice to that mm. and a, a way of finding meaning that, is not actually empty. Like mm. this stuff seems to be very empty and just about getting people's resentments. Mm. And, and there's, I guess they've probably got, I mean, not just the QAnon folks, but other people that make online content now have more of an audience because people don't really have anything else to do now. We're all kind of stuck inside. So more people are seeing some of this stuff and it's spreading like the virus, I guess, this weird oh, yeah. yucky fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, it, the uptake in this sort of stuff over the last six to 12 months has been huge because of lockdowns, because of the virus, etc. Like um, they've been around for a while. Like this stuff has all been a long time. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's the same impulse that drove the satanic panics back in the 80s as well, right? Yeah. Very nearly exactly the same. Um, but... Uh, the technology and the coupled with the lockdown and the the kind of stir craziness of it, yeah, it has driven a huge uptake. Um, mm. People that you wouldn't expect either. New age movement, all that sort of stuff is drawn to this because looking for answers. Uh, yeah. Um, the places that can give you humanist answers or human answers um, have been demonized for the last 30 or 40 years. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, it's a big fight. No. It yeah. is a big fight. Well, is that what we're doing? We're fighting. 
I would say, yeah. I, I would say too. I think we're absolutely fighting. So, having run that conversation into the ground, uh, uh, it feels like it's a good time to bring the podcast to a close. Um, uh, this has been an um, interesting experiment in uh, long-distance podcasting for us. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy listening to it as much as we have enjoyed uh, creating it. Um, uh, once again, you've been listening to Alison Crogan, Carissa Lee, Robert Reed, and uh, the um, recording stylings of Ben Keen. Uh, this is Witness Performance. Um, remember to like subscribe and share with your goddamn friends. <laughs>